Hello, friends. This episode is a follow-up from the Adventist Pilgrimage Podcast, Episode 22. Is Adventism a Cult? A Response to Cultish, Part 2. In my last bonus episode, I responded with the discussion of Ellen White on assurance of salvation. Now I will respond to the issue, Is Ellen White an Infallible Interpreter of Scripture? Welcome to the Ellen White Podcast. Here is your host, Dr. Judd Lake. In 1984, a fascinating discussion took place on the John Ankerberg Show between renowned cult expert Walter Martin and editor of the Adventist Review at the time, William Johnson. This is a classic series of episodes that you can still watch on the internet. Johnson was in the hot seat as both Martin and Ankerberg drilled him with questions and concerns. A question Martin asked several times was, is, an, is Ellen White an infallible interpreter of Scripture? Martin claimed that he had numerous documents in which Adventist leaders had declared that Ellen White was an infallible interpreter of Scripture. Johnson responded emphatically that she was not an infallible interpreter, and this was shown in the way Ellen White is used in official Adventist literature, he claimed. I was attending the seminary at the time at Andrews University and taking a class about Ellen White taught by Roger Kuhn, former associate director of the LNG White Estate. One of the impressions I remember vividly from that class was that Ellen White was not the Adventist infallible interpreter of Scripture. As a post-biblical prophet, she pointed back to the Bible as the final authoritative word that interprets itself. None of us were aware of Johnson's appearance on the Ankerberg show until sometime later. Nevertheless, Martin claimed that a number of Adventist leaders believed in Ellen White's infallibility at the time. In his very important book, Ellen White's Afterlife, historian George Knight points out that during the 1960s, Ellen White was indeed viewed as an infallible interpreter of Scripture. He wrote that during that time she was, quote, at the apex of her respect and authoritative position in the denomination. And was not only an authoritative for or authority, I should say, for exegesis and theology, but also inerrant, infallible, 100 years ahead of her time, of a flawless character, and for many, verbally inspired. And to top it off, everything she wrote came straight from heaven through divine revelation, pages 16 and 17. Now, interpreters of Ellen White such as myself, look back on this as a dangerous period in the church. And even though the Adventist leaders had declared to Walter Martin and Donald Barnhouse that Ellen White was not the final authority, in theory, in practice, things were obviously different. This dangerous trajectory began after Ellen White's death in the 1920s and is documented in the work of historian Michael Campbell in his two books, 1919 and 1922, especially the latter one. Knight put things in perspective when he wrote the most remarkable thing about those early 1960s perspectives related to Ellen White is that she herself did not believe them nor agree with them, and neither did most of those of her contemporaries who worked closest with her. End quote. That's page 17. Unfortunately, the 1960s incorrect understanding of Ellen White's writings continued its trajectory 
through the rest of the 20th century and now into the 21st century. And I believe this is the background from which many of the former Adventists came out of the church. As I listen to their testimonies as former Adventists, what they describe is precisely this 1960 attitude towards Ellen White. Circulating at the time was a document officially voted by the church and published in 1982 titled The Seventh-day Adventist Church's Understanding of Ellen White's Authority. Composed of affirmations and denials about Ellen White's writings and prophetic authority. Unfortunately, Johnson did not refer to or cite this document. If he had, it would have strengthened his argument against Martin significantly. The denials provide clarity on this issue. And I will read them. In fact, I think I'll just read the affirmations as well. You can Google this. The Seventh-day Adventist Church's understanding of Ellen White's authority, and it'll take you to the Ellen G. White estate website, and that is where you will find these affirmations and denials. Here are the 10 affirmations. Number one, we believe that Scripture is the divinely revealed Word of God and is inspired by the Holy Spirit. Two, we believe that the canon of Scripture is composed only of the 66 books of the Old and New Testaments. Three, we believe that Scripture is the foundation of faith and the final authority in all matters of doctrine and practice. Four, we believe that Scripture is the Word of God in human language. Five, we believe that Scripture teaches that the gift of prophecy will be manifest in the Christian church after New Testament times. Six, we believe that the ministry and writings of Ellen White were a manifestation of the prophetic gift. Seven, we believe that Ellen White was inspired by the Holy Spirit and that her writings, the product of that inspiration, are applicable and authoritative, especially to Seventh-day Adventists. Eight, we believe that the purposes of the Ellen White writings include guidance in understanding the teaching of Scripture and application of these teachings with prophetic urgency to the spiritual and moral life. Nine, we believe that the acceptance of the prophetic gift of Ellen White is important to the nurture and unity of the Seventh-day Adventist Church. And ten, we believe that Ellen White's use of literary sources and assistance finds parallels in some of the writings of the Bible. Those are the ten affirmations, now the ten denials. Number one, we do not believe that the quality or degree of inspiration in the writings of Ellen White is different from that of Scripture. Two, we do not believe that the writings of Ellen White are in addition to the canon of sacred scripture. Three, we do not believe that the writings of Ellen White function as the foundation and authority of Christian faith as does scripture. Four, we do not believe that the writings of Ellen White may be used as the basis of doctrine. Five, we do not believe that the study of the writings of Ellen White may be used to replace the study of scripture. Six, we do not believe that Scripture can be understood only through the writings of Ellen White. Seven, we do not believe that the writings of Ellen White exhaust the meaning of Scripture. Eight, we do not believe that the writings of Ellen White are essential for the proclamation of the truths of Scripture to society at large. And nine, we do not believe that the writings of Ellen White are the product of mere Christian piety. Ten, we do not believe that Ellen White's use of literary sources and assistance negates the inspiration of her writings. We conclude, therefore, 
that a correct understanding of the inspiration and authority of the writings of Ellen White will avoid two extremes. Number one, regarding these writings as functioning on a canonical level identical with Scripture. Or two, considering them as ordinary Christian literature. In spite of this information, during the cultish interview, the church, or excuse me, the charge was put forward that still today, lurking behind every doctrine and teaching of the Seventh-day Adventist Church is the authority of Ellen White. In fact, she's behind everything. It seems to me that these former Adventists experienced an environment while they were still Seventh-day Adventists in which Ellen White was the authority for everything, just like back in the 1960s, as we noted a little while ago. But I will assert this view is no longer the prevailing attitude in Adventism today. As George Knight points out in his book, Ellen White's Afterlife, as the decades moved forward beyond the 1960s, Ellen White's scholarship responded to the challenges, and today, a much healthier understanding of Ellen White's prophetic authority prevails. Knight documents this in later chapters of the book. Today, Ellen White's writings are never used in official church literature as the authority over Scripture. In fact, the opposite is the situation. The adult Sabbath school Bible study, for example, always puts the spotlight on Scripture, and Ellen White is used only in an inspirational way to add emphasis to the scriptural passage under study. At one point in the cultish interview, Jack Blanco's clear word, paraphrased Bible, came up in the conversation and was presented as the Adventist Bible. This is another part of the false narrative presented in that view. In fact, this is a charge that's a favorite with the former Adventist that Jack Blanco's clear word is the official Adventist Bible. Jack and I have discussed this over the years, and he never meant for his paraphrase to have any authority in the church. He meant it only for personal devotional purposes. His yearning desire was for people to study the Bible itself in a reliable translation. This paraphrase has never been used in any official way in the church and never used as a Bible for Seventh-day Adventist religion classrooms, whether it's high school or undergraduate level. Unfortunately, though, the advertising of the clear word at, in the Adventist book centers has sometimes given the impression that this is the Adventist Bible. But that is not a correct understanding because the church has never claimed to have any official Adventist Bible, especially a paraphrase. Now, I should point out that Adventist scholarship has produced an Adventist study Bible known as the Andrews Study Bible. This is based on the New King James Version, as well as the New International Version translations, and it has notes by Adventist scholars in a similar way that, for example, the English Standard Version Study Bible does. So it's no different than those type of study Bibles. It's based on a reliable translation of the Bible. I'm often asked how we should relate to Ellen White's comments on Scripture, and I respond generally in two ways. First, we should never view her greatest works, the Conflict of the Ages series, as an inspired commentary. Those five books, Patriarchs and Prophets, Prophets and Kings, Desire of Ages, Acts of the Apostles, The Great Controversy, cover the biblical period and have been called an inspired commentary in the past. This is most unfortunate and most incorrect. These five books cover world history from the biblical perspective 
and the angle of the great controversy or cosmic conflict. Her focus throughout the series is to give applications of biblical events and teaching to the personal life. She never comments exhaustively on any text. So this series is best viewed as following the biblical storyline from the perspective of the cosmic conflict with application to the personal life. They should not be viewed as an inspired commentary. Second, I tell people that Ellen White's comments on any given text of Scripture are never exhaustive. There, there is always more to mine in the text. Her focus was mostly applicational. That is, she gave inspired applications of scriptural teaching to the church and to individuals. She never meant for anyone to take her writings as the final word on a scriptural passage or to end all discussion on a text. If anything, she intended her writings to spur readers on to study their Bible more. So it is best to view Ellen White's writings as giving inspired application of scripture rather than giving inspired interpretations. But what about doctrinal authority? In the cultish interview, the Adventist history text, Light Bears to the Remnant, was selectively cited with the point that when the Adventist pioneers were developing their doctrines, no one understood the Bible, so they had to depend on Ellen White's visions. This is quite a spin on what really happened. Let me tell you that story, and what I would like to do is read from my book, Ellen White Under Fire. I have a couple of pages where I summarize the historic Sabbath conferences where the pioneers hammered out the doctrines of the Adventist church, the basic doctrines at that time. So let me tell you that story. This is on page 162-163 in my book. In reflecting on the early Adventist gatherings, Ellen White identified extended Bible study prayer and the direct intervention of the Holy Spirit as key factors that led the pioneers to a knowledge of Bible doctrine. At that time, after the disappointment, she wrote, one error after another pressed in upon us. Ministers and doctors brought in new doctrines. We would search the scriptures with much prayer and the Holy Spirit would bring truths to our minds. Sometimes whole nights would be devoted to searching the scriptures and earnestly asking God for guidance. Companies of devoted men and women assembled for this purpose. The power of God would come upon me and I was enabled clearly to define what is truth and what is error. The historical context of this narrative is important. The pioneers spent hours and hours of study in the scriptures until they came to an impasse. This impasse involved one error after another and new doctrines, in short, confusion. At that point, Ellen White went into vision and was enabled clearly to define, to define what is truth and what is error. In the array of confusing interpretations, now let me make my own comment now, it's obvious that these guys were coming from different back theological backgrounds and they were arguing and debating and they had different opinions and different views about the text and they would come to an impasse and it was her visions that would break this lock, so to speak, where they could move forward in their study. As Herbert Douglas observed, she was able to affirm the results of Brother C's biblical study rather than that of Brother A, B, or D. Experiences like this brought unity to these gatherings and delivered the pioneers from the mire of endless discussion and debate on the meaning of certain passages of Scripture. Now, let me comment. This 
obviously shows it wasn't an issue with not understanding the Bible. They had strong opinions about their understanding of the Bible. But her visions led them to other passages that they hadn't considered, and it broke the impasse, and they were able to move forward. But all of their, their doctrines were ultimately derived from the study of Scripture. Let me continue. Based on this narrative, detractors will argue that Ellen White's visions established Adventist doctrine and that she was thus the final arbiter of Bible truth. While it cannot be denied that the visions were a catalyst in this early doctrinal formation, in the end, the Bible was the sole source of the doctrines. Why did the pioneers, or what did the pioneers do before and after they received one of Ellen White's visions that defined what is truth and what is error? They studied their Bibles. Did they view Ellen White's visions as establishing a new rule of faith and practice apart from the Bible? Hardly. If her visions did anything, they plunged these people deeper into their Bibles. While the visions provided interpretations of Scripture at crucial junctures, the pioneers continued to study, and ultimately, they based their doctrinal understanding on Scripture alone. James White, a major participant at these meetings, argued that the Word of God, not the visions of his wife, was in the front of the church. Quote, The Bible is a perfect and complete revelation. It is our only rule of faith and practice, he trumpeted. True visions are given by God to lead us to God, and his written word, but those that are given for a new rule of faith and practice, separate from the Bible, cannot be from God and should be rejected, end quote. And that is a citation from an early re Review in the Herald article. Nevertheless, the experience of Bible study plus the guidance of the Holy Spirit was the foundation for early Seventh-day Adventist doctrinal formation. But it must be acknowledged that even though Ellen White's prophetic gift was active in helping the pioneers achieve an understanding of Bible teaching, not a single doctrine of the early Adventist church Sabbath, sanctuary judgment, conditional immortality, second coming, spiritual gifts, etc., was derived from a vision of Ellen White. The vision served to confirm biblical conclusions already reached, guide the pioneers to a correct understanding of biblical passages in the midst of confusion, and lead them back to portions of the Bible for correction when in error. Ellen White's guidance in doctrinal formation can be likened to a compass that pointed the Adventist pioneers in the right direction of biblical truth. But the final conclusions with regard to all the doctrines were based exclusively on Scripture. Now that's the end of the portion from my book. The pioneers' appeal was always to Scripture. This is an extremely important point. There is an interesting document that I have. It's a 1,009 page document. It is a compilation of Review and Herald and Present Truth articles from 1846 to 1905, all on the subject of the sanctuary. Their understanding of the doctrine of the sanctuary. And I've read through all 1,009 pages of that document and all those articles, studies on the sanctuary, biblical studies, and so forth. Not once do they appeal to Ellen White. The appeal is 100% of the time to the Bible. Never, not once, 
I repeat that they appeal to Ellen White. Now, one may not agree with their conclusions, but they were consistent in their appeal to the Bible. And that's an extremely important point. The greatest evidence, in my view, that Seba the Adventists do not derive their doctrine from the visions of Ellen White is the fact that today, Adventist scholars appeal to Scripture for evidence of doctrine, not Ellen White. I don't need Ellen White to prove any Adventist doctrine, whether it's the Sabbath, judgment, uh, conditional immortality, or any other teaching unique to Adventists. If Ellen White were the authority during those historic Sabbath conferences, then we would be appealing to her as doctrinal authority today. But such is not the case. I want to share some examples of present-day Adventist scholarship about the Bible. At the General Conference, there's an entity known as the Biblical Research Institute, or BRI. It's a group of Adventist scholars who address theological issues facing the church, all trained biblical scholars with their their doctorates in biblical studies. They meet regularly with the Adventist scholars around the world and collaborate in producing biblical studies for the church. Now, I want to just mention several books that appeal to Scripture alone. First of all, there's the Seventh-day Adventist Believe, an exposition of the fundamental beliefs of the Seventh-day Adventist Church. This was used in the cultist conversation and uh, basically because it's a Bible study and it appeals to the Bible for all the doctrines, the interviewees at the cultish, in the cultish interview basically said that, well, it doesn't mean what it says. But friend, if you just read it in context and take it for what it says, it is very clear in appealing to the scriptures as a source of every fundamental belief of the Seventh-day Adventist. Now, another very important volume is titled A Handbook of Seventh-day Adventist Theology. This is Commentary commentary Reference Series, Volume 12. This is very important because it is a deeper dive into Adventist doctrine, written by trained Adventist scholars. They dig deep into Scripture and expound our doctrines. Then they give a historical background of that doctrine in history, And then they use Ellen White quotes about that particular doctrine. But the major thrust of this volume is the biblical study portions, where all of our doctrines are expounded from Scripture in a deeper way than the previous book, as Seventh-day Adventists believe. So a handbook of Seventh-day Adventist theology is a very important read, and anybody who is serious about understanding Adventist theology will want to consult that book. Anybody outside of Adventism who wants to know what Adventists believe or want to critique what Adventists believe. That book is very important to read and to ignore it would be irresponsible. Now, the BRI, the Biblical Research Institute, has produced several books recently. Here are four that have just come out in 2021 and 2022. Two of them are about the Sabbath. First of all, the Sabbath in the Old Testament and intertestamental period, implications for Christians in the 21st century. That came out in 2021. And the companion volume is the Sabbath in the New Testament and in theology, implications for Christians in the 21st century. That was published in 2022. These two books are a thorough 
biblical analysis of the Sabbath in the Old Testament and in the New Testament, as well as the intertestinal period and theological analysis of the Sabbath. All of the appeal is to Scripture. It involves a lot of detailed exegesis or exposition of Scripture about the Sabbath. So that is a very important book. But the point I'm making in the context of this episode is that the appeal is to Scripture for this understand this Adventist understanding of the Sabbath. Another book is titled Eschatology from an Adventist Perspective. This was published in 2021 as well. And this is an important book. Adventists admittedly sometimes get carried away. Individual Adventists have done that. They get carried away with eschatology, end-time events, and come up with date setting and charts and all of this stuff. And this book puts end-time events in a very solid biblical perspective. It's composed of biblical studies by scholars, and it does an excellent job refuting extremes and showing what Adventists believe about end-time events from a biblical perspective. And the fourth book I'll mention is Biblical Hermeneutics and Adventist Perspective. This was published in 2021 and looks at various aspects of hermeneutics by biblical scholars. And the basic premise is, the foundational biblical hermeneutic is, Scripture interprets Scripture. So again, the appeal is to the Bible. Now, a couple of other books I want to mention. Just last year in 2022, Richard Davidson published Song for the Sanctuary, Experiencing God's Presence in Shadow and Reality. Dr. Davidson is a well-known Adventist scholar and has spent a lifetime of study on several topics relating to Scripture of the Old Testament, but especially the sanctuary. That's the area that he specialized in, and this book is almost 1,000 pages long. It is a very in-depth study of the doctrine of the sanctuary from an Adventist perspective, and he engages in depth with Scripture. The appeal is always to the Bible for the Adventist doctrine of the sanctuary. And anyone who wants to understand the Adventist doctrine of the sanctuary, this book is a must-read. We've been waiting for it for a long time, and finally it is out, and uh, it is a must-read. And for anyone outside of Adventism who wants to understand what Adventists really believe about our doctrine of the sanctuary, this is the book that you must go to. And again, like the other book, if you are a critic of Adventism, then if you're fair-minded, you need to at least look through these books. And I'm not saying that they will convert you. That's not the point at all. The point is you will know what Adventists really do believe, and that will be a platform for you to critique Adventism, if you so desire. Another book that I want to mention is also a compilation of Adventist scholarship, various scholars from all over the world. It is entitled Salvation Contours of Adventist Soteriology. Soteriology is the doctrine of salvation. This was published in 2018 by Andrews University. It is a very important book because it summarizes in detail and depth what Seventh-day Adventists believe about salvation, about the gospel, 
about assurance of salvation, about Christ's atonement at the cross, and so forth. Numerous chapters dealing with subjects related to salvation. This is the book that the former Adventist who interviewed with the cultish apologetic site, uh, if they had read this, they wouldn't have said, well, Adventists don't understand the gospel. They believe in salvation by works. They don't understand Christ's atonement at the cross and so forth. This book sets forth very clearly that we do believe in the gospel and assurance of salvation and forgiveness of sins and, and the completed atonement of Christ at the cross. But it sets it forth in the Arminian framework in which Adventists believe. That comes from Jacob Arminius, the contemporary of John Calvin, who rejected Calvin's um, predestination and he embraced free will, among other things, and so forth. And Adventists come out of that framework in terms of our understanding of soteriology or salvation. And so this book is very important to read with regard to what Seventh-day Adventists believe on salvation. And those who say, as I often read on many websites, uh, apologetic websites. They say Adventists are not saved because they don't have the gospel. Well, if they would read this book, they would have to reject that conclusion. And finally, the Adventist Bible Commentary was just published last year in 2022. I should say Andrew's Bible Commentary. This is a very helpful commentary. It is based on the text the appeal is not to Ellen White. It's by a number of Adventist scholars, and I find it to be a very good commentary. I'm a connoisseur of commentaries. I love, love commentaries. On my biblical software, Logos, I have hundreds of commentaries, and I appeal to them repeatedly when I'm studying Scripture. Study the text itself first, then I always like to see what commentators say. Uh, I enjoy the homiletic commentaries and the exegetical commentaries and all those in between. Um, and so I have certain commentaries that are go-to commentaries for me when I want to get an in-depth analysis or I want to get an overview of the text. Well, now that this one is out, this will be my go-to commentary. And I promise you, not because it's a Seventh-day Adventist commentary by Seventh-day Adventist scholars. It's because it is really good. The breakdown of the biblical books, the way they're divided into sections, uh, is extremely helpful. And the it's not a detailed verse-by-verse -verse commentary. It deals with blocks of passages. But the sweeping comments that it makes are extremely insightful and thoroughly biblical. It is confessional in that it's by Seventh-day Adventist scholars, but it's not just giving Seventh-day Adventist theology per se, it's just engaging with the biblical text. And I believe this will become popular outside of Adventism because the quality of its comments on the text of Scripture. But my point is, the appeal is not to Ellen White. It is to the text of Scripture. So whether or not you agree with Adventist theology, we are consistent in our appeal to the Bible as doctrinal authority, not Ellen White. If anyone outside of Adventism wants to evaluate Adventism in a fair-minded way, then these resources of official Adventist scholarship should be consulted. 
To fail to do so is irresponsible and unfair. And I would add to my fellow Adventists, these books, if you've not read through them, it would be very helpful to purchase them and read them. You would think that from hearing the cultish interview with the former Adventist, that all Seventh-day Adventist literature is one big footnote to Ellen White. This is so infinitely far from the truth, as I pointed out. Engagement with these volumes will show that Adventist scholars have engaged with the biblical text in the original languages as well as with other scholars in an effort to better understand the biblical text. The proof is in the pudding, as the old saying goes. You only need to read these volumes in a cursory manner to see the depth of scholarship and engagement with the biblical text. To conclude, is Ellen White an infallible interpreter of Scripture for Seventh-day Adventists? No. That was never Ellen White's position and has never officially been the view of the Seventh-day Adventist Church. Her writings are, however, considered to be a blessing to the church and authoritative as a post-biblical manifestation of the prophetic gift that always points back to Scripture as the final authority for Christian faith and practice. Thanks for listening, and remember, always test a prophet by the prophets of the Bible. <music>